Hello everyone, Steve Wiss here. I'm joined by Jonathan Fadugba and this is a new uh, po podcast uh, we're bringing to you. Um, it's called the Nordic Football Podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about all things uh, in Norway and Sweden, uh, football related up there. And uh, first of all, I'd like to welcome my uh, friend and ex-colleague, uh, Jonathan. How are you doing? Steve, it's a pleasure. Pleasure to be on a podcast with your esteemed self. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here and looking forward to this new venture. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it as well. And I'm sure a lot of people who know us uh, well uh, have got a few questions as to uh, why we're actually going to be talking about uh, Norwegian and Swedish football. Well, uh, well, from my point of view, first of all, those uh, who do know me will realise I've been following the Norwegian uh, Elite Serien League for a number of years now. It's my uh, main summer league, uh, along with MLS now, uh, to be fair. But um, obviously, I've uh, been involved in Norwegian football for a long time. And uh, it's one of my favourite leagues, actually, because I really think it's such a raw league, a really honest sort of league. And uh, although the quality perhaps isn't what it used to be, um, I always enjoy watching the matches. It's most of the teams try and play football in the right way, and um, you know it's almost a bit rawer compared to uh, some of the more commercialised leagues these days. So for me personally, it makes sense to have a strong interest in in Norwegian football. And of course, I used to follow Swedish football in detail as well. And I'm going to be taking a lot more interest in the Swedish league now. I'm doing this podcast uh, with you, John. Um, but Sweden is currently your ball game isn't it and tell us a bit more about what got you into Swedish football and um, exactly um, your full interest up there yeah well it's, it's an interesting one to be uh, perfectly honest uh, I think you know going back and in terms of my background many people may know me in different different areas of football um, I tend to have a kind of a roaming playmaker role so to speak around around the game um, obviously with the website just football we cover football around the world um, and you know that takes me all over so I have to take an interest in kind of as, as many leagues as I can really and as, as many kind of you know stories and subjects as I can um, previously worked in French football with yourself of course um, which which took up most of my focus from there I kind of roamed around and I've been very involved in non-league football as well in the last couple of years and Swedish football came about because I've actually been living in Sweden so that, that kind of piqued my interest and uh, I've been working in a you know, consultancy and scouting role and that took me to Sweden partly as well and so that's developed my interest in the league. Obviously following yourself uh, for many years and aware of your interest in Norway so the, the, the kind of interests mutually aligned and um, yeah like I say I've, I've taken a real interest in the Swedish league. I think it's uh, an upcoming league. I think you only have to look at the um, performances of Sweden in the uh, under-21 European Championships in 2015, which I was actually part of and went to uh, as part of coverage for Just Football, um, accredited by UEFA. Uh, we covered that tournament and Sweden were the champions. Uh, that, that was a sort of touch, uh, you know, touch light for my interest. Um, also at the under-17s, Sweden have a very strong team. I think youth football in Sweden is, is on the up, uh, certainly one to look out for. And then you look to the higher levels and, you know, the old fence scan and the super and, and, you know, it's taken my interest as well. And I think obviously there are debates to be had about the quality of the football, which we will talk about, I'm sure in future pods and times to come, but in general, you know, it's become a country that's close to my heart and having lived there as well. And 
yeah, so it felt like the our interests aligned in that sense in the in the Nordic world. So here I am. Yeah, I think it's um, certainly this time of year. It, these leagues become far more popular um, around the whole world, really. Um, you know, especially in years where there's no World Cup or there's no um, uh, European Championship. And uh, I, I truly believe that our um, our podcasts here are going to give people an insight into what's going on um, in Norway and Sweden. And, and traditionally, it is a hotbed for, for young talent, uh, talent which, you know, if, it's, if you are any good, you don't usually hang around in either league for, for, for too long, do you? And um, although not an awful lot of transfers end up going over... Um, to, to the UK, certainly a lot of bigger clubs in Europe do uh, tend to take a punt on uh, players uh, from Norway and Sweden. So, I mean, th- there's a lot of talent we're going to be talking about, uh, John, aren't they, in, in, in these podcasts? There is indeed. I mean, you only have to look at Alexander Isak, who became one of the most uh, expensive transfers in the history of Swedish football recently uh, by moving to Borussia Dortmund uh, at the age of 17, I think, I believe, um, 18, teenage, still a teenager. Um, already scored for Sweden on his debut, <clears throat> uh, an outstanding talent, and I think there are many, many like that. Um, one of the observations I've actually had, though, you know, is the element to which they progress, perhaps, and and that's something we'll be talking about: youth development and you know progression of, of players in the league and outside. Um, I mean, you look at a player like Emil Forsberg as well at, um, in Germany, who's, who's been outstanding, heavily linked with clubs in England. Um, so yeah, there's a huge amount of talent and Norway as well. I know you know there are players coming up, and it's always interesting seeing players, for example, the likes of Josh King, who's who's excelling in in England at the moment with Black, uh, with Bournemouth. Sorry, who's had one of his his best seasons. Um, so yeah, there is plenty of talent, and I think the academies in Sweden uh, are quite you know there's a lot of talent uh, from the younger teams, clubs that put put, put a youth focus, you know, high focus on youth, um, <clears throat> and. I suppose the challenge for many clubs is how they how they bring that through and develop those players into first team players, and that's obviously something we'll be talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start us off with a player actually, because <clears throat> um, there was a match on uh, Monday night in the uh, Elite Italian uh, Starbuck against uh, Viking, and um, probably one of the best players in the whole league is is a young Nigerian called uh, Samuel Adeg Benro, um, Viking player. Um, now, this is a guy that's probably going to sadly transfer out of the club this summer, uh, I would say. Um, certainly in terms of importance to his club, um, he's probably yeah the most important player to his club in the whole league out of any any team up there. And uh, he's in, his performance caught my eye in the first half against Starbeck on Monday night. I thought he, he was running the show, certainly the first half hour. Um, he's... A player which is on the left wing, he causes so many problems. He's got great skill. He can use both feet. And I mean, you mentioned yourself as being a roaming playmaker um, a bit uh, just now. And that this guy, I think, is a bit of a roaming playmaker for Viking. Uh, he's only 21 years old. Um, I think he's got a big move in him somewhere to Europe. And, you know, who's to say he's not going to get international honours? Uh, by the well, in a few years' time, uh, for his country, uh, it's. Um, I don't know if you've seen much of uh, the Norwegian league, um, John, in recent times, but certainly this is a name that you, even you're well aware of, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I saw the game earlier today, and he, you know, you look, look like a talent. Or depending on when you're listening, but yeah, it was earlier today um, in terms of recording, and he's a talent to look out for. I mean, 
I would have a question for yourself, Steve. I mean, this, this, we're 10 rounds into the Norwegian league now. Um, obviously, listeners who, you know, are not familiar with the Norwegian league will probably be aware of Rosenberg and their, their dominance of, of the league. Perhaps who are the standout players uh, for yourself? I mean, I know it was heavily reported Nicholas Bentner's move there uh, to Norway. And um, are there any kind of talents, apart from the player that you've mentioned um, now, who've stood out for you in these first 10 rounds? Well, obviously, um, Rosenborg are the first team mentioned when anyone thinks of Norwegian football. And I think anywhere in the world, they're quite a well-known team, aren't they? Because they traditionally used to be in the Champions League a lot. Uh, they made the group stages. Unfortunately, in recent years, they've not really had much of a European run um, because I don't think the, their quality has been good enough. Um, it was well observed last year that they failed to even make the group stage of the Europa League. And they needed to reinforce during the winter, but they haven't reinforced during the winter. I think, if anything, the squad's got worse. Um, obviously, a lot's been said about Nicholas Bentner. How good is Bentner? Yeah, he's technically too good for the Norwegian league. But there's always a big question mark about his mentality, isn't there? The Norwegian Latin, as they, as they said to say. Well, yeah. The Danish Latin. Yeah, I mean... He knows he's above this level. Um, he's scored quite a few goals, but I wouldn't say he's been tearing the league to shreds by any means. He's got a, this sort of pedestrian, a pedestrian sort of aura to him sometimes where he's not really that bothered. Um, as, as far as Rosenborg go, they do have some uh, good players worth uh, mentioning. Um, I mean, probably the biggest known star is someone called Paul Andre Helland, but he's he's closer to 30 than the mid-20s now, this guy, and he really should have moved out of the country a few years ago, if you ask me. Maybe he never will now, um, especially if someone's got sort of bad injuries. Um, I mean, I look at the Rosenborg team right now. There's not too many, I would say, right, yeah, they're going to move on to the next level. Um, they're all kind of established stars in, in, in the Norwegian league, but anyone who's really good has, has moved on by now. I mean, you know, there's a youngster called Jan de Lanley, who, who I do rate, he's sadly going to be out of action until uh, August uh, with a cruciate ligament. I think he was someone um, worth keeping an eye on. But, um, you know, in terms of Rosenberg itself, it's not about players that are going to move on. It's, uh, I mean, most of their starters are now at least 25 years old, uh, John. And when when you're that old, then in, in the Norwegian league, um, I think you're... Your days are kind of numbered where you're going to get a big move abroad, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you need you need to progress, don't you? I mean, <clears throat> looking at Rosenberg and in the table, they're only one point one point clear at the moment. For for people who kind of assume that they dominate the league, I mean, would you say that they are perhaps been a bit complacent this season? Have they have they perhaps recruited in the wrong areas? Have they not progressed? Um, how would you sum up the season so far? I'd sum up their season. I'd say it's been shite. <laughs> to be honest, um, it's. Look, they they win the first two games three nil, um, and uh, to be fair, in those games they even that they weren't that impressive. But everyone's saying, you know, Rosenborg and Rosenborg, even if they don't play that well, they're going to win two or three nil. And since then, their wins have only been by one goal margins. Uh, they've been very poor, below par, and the last three games have been they've not managed to win any of them. Um, they lost at home against Tromsø last weekend and uh, you know I was really pleased to see them get beat because I thought it would be the kick up the ass they needed and but then on Saturday they drew at home against a team called Lillestrøm and Lillestrøm for me one of the worst teams in the league um no disrespect but um you know my local pub side might fancy their chances of beating Lillestrøm the way that they've been playing this year but 
they went to Rosenborg and they deserved the draw and they could have won on, won on another day. There's a massive, massive complacency issue at the moment, I think, for Rosenborg. That in, remember what Chelsea were like last year in the yeah. Premier League under Mourinho? And uh, something similar may be starting to happen here in that um, the players have lost their hunger a bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, one, one player that sticks out for me is Anders Conradson, who I believe was in France. Uh, Random, is that right? Yeah, I mean, he did an okay job in France, but you know, he, he wasn't good enough. Ultimately. That's what I'd say. Yeah, I'm being quite nice to him there. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't. When you think about French football, me and you know French football better than anyone. Um, for sure and if you're going to play in a defensive midfield role there you've got to have uh plenty about you haven't you in terms of both physique technique and technique and you know a bit of bite to you as well and he simply he wasn't good enough he seems to, to have... sorry go on. yeah so he wasn't good enough to hold down a starting spot in a team like Wren, who at that point in time they were a top 10 side regularly and you know that was the sort of level that he couldn't aspire to but um, you know now, now he's moved back to um, to Norway. Uh, I remember when he first came back, uh, there was you know, Rosenborg fans were celebrating because they thought they got the best player in the league. You know that is the difference between the two leagues, John. Yeah, I mean he didn't really you know play too much uh, for Ren. Uh, you know in the times I I didn't think he really made you know made a mark. Uh, wasn't able to establish himself and obviously you know, moved on to pastures new. I noticed that he has, you know, the player that stands out in terms of Rosenberg and players I'm familiar with uh, seems to have made a, you know, consistent uh, first team starter there. Has he been a key player, or you know, you know, Bentner aside, who would you who would you pinpoint as the key players? And you know, if they've been poor, is there areas that they have significant weaknesses in? Conradson's a key player. Um, I've always been a fan of Mike Jensen in the midfield as well, along with uh, Frederick Michio. Um, I would say their midfield engine is, is a big strength of Rosenborg. Um, uh, that's for sure. Their attackers tend to uh, rotate around a lot. I mean, I mentioned Paul Andre Helland. He's rarely fully fit uh, week after week. So, you know, he's going to have to drop the odd game to the bench or, or rest out completely. Um, and, and the defence is, is led by a big guy called uh, Torre Reginiusen, uh, another player quite injury prone. Uh, but he's had a good start to the season. Um, and their goalkeeper, Andre Hansen, he's a very underrated keeper, if you ask me. He makes a lot more saves than people think. In fact, if he had not actually uh, played so well this year, they might have uh, dropped even more points. Uh, he did cost them a goal um, against Sarpsborg, but uh, they won that game. Apart from that, he's been fairly faultless when he's been fit. Uh, again, another player who um, who's a bit injury-prone, really. They're, quite a lot of their squad is relatively injury-prone, but it's the biggest squad in Norway. And this is why they get away with it, because they can just rest and rotate a lot. Is that a money thing as well? Do you think, you know, that perhaps one of the advantages of winning the league almost year in, year out is you, you get the increased finances, don't you, from Euro European football? Um, has that helped? Or? Yeah, it's helped them. But, I mean, you've got to wonder how much of their budget's gone on Bentner. Um, it was rumored, he's rumoured to be on a lot of money. Um, the con I'm not exactly sure what the contract is. But I think the... They needed to spend more money, bring in mm. better players. They they brought a left back in from Starbeck called Berger Milling, and he's a good left back, I've got to say. Um, but that's not enough. They need to be bringing in some players from abroad who are real quality, you know. Um, and I just don't see this Rosenborg team as an upgrade on last year. If anything, it's a slight downgrade. I say right now, the players are a little bit complacent. They're not as sharp as they were last year. That might change, but. 
look, with European football just a couple of months away, um, you know, I think anyone, any decent size in Europe are going to be enjoying playing Rosenborg because they're not good enough uh, at the moment, John. Um, it's, it's something is not right uh, at all. And um, I thought they would get back on track at the weekend. If, if they can't be, beat a crap side like Lillestrom, then I think there's some trouble going on, you know. Um, it's not a, not a guarantee they'll win the league this year. Yeah, it's, it's funny because they they remind me uh, if we move you know moving to Sweden in that sense they remind me of Malmo very much who uh, obviously the reigning champions um, perhaps a clear you know the clear strongest side arguably um, one or two other contenders but Malmo probably recognises the clearly the strongest team but they haven't had it all their own way this season so far and you know similar to what you said about Rosenberg you know they've struggled in in games not really f- convinced. And you know, I would kind of compare them to Rosenberg if I was if I was finding an equivalent in Sweden. Yeah, I mean they're top of the league, aren't they, right now? But they lost at the weekend for the first time this season against Norshipping, uh, who are in second sp- uh, spot. Uh, would you say Norshipping are the the big contenders to them this year? Yeah, I think Norshipping are they're a team I like. I've seen them live a couple of times this season. Uh, I think they're very settled. They have a balanced team. Um, you know, playing a kind of a four-four-two, fairly you know not not basic, but you know quite kind of everybody knows their role. They know where they're going to play. Uh, they have some talented young players. Uh, I think the likes of Linus Valquist is one, a right back who is quite highly rated, been looked at by players and you know bigger teams around Europe uh, as one for the future. Um, a strong you know defensive line, uh, decent in you know midfield. And then they had Sebastian Andersson up front, who's you know one of the best best scorers uh, in in Sweden, and he's been scoring goals recently. So, yeah, I mean they, they're a team that I think will challenge. Um, I don't think Malmo will have it all their own way, and it's going to be interesting to see. I think they they definitely need to buck up their ideas. They have a, a new manager, Malmo, um, but they haven't been able to kind of convince really. <laughs> there was one game which I, I've spoken to you about previously, uh, a game against Kalmar, which frustrated me a lot, where they. They were clear favourites to win that game and couldn't seem to beat what is, a, to be honest, really poor Kalmar side. Uh, and I think that sums them up really the season so far. They just haven't quite convinced really. Although they have won a couple of key games. Uh, they beat Your Garden uh, 3-2, but all in all, not convinced. Yeah, Kalmar are one of the uh, worst teams in the league right now. Lost seven out of ten matches, but uh, they did manage to, say, get that point against uh, Malmö, didn't they? Um rather shockingly um i just want to talk to you about a game that i watched on monday night it was the stockholm derby between Jorgarten and uh, aik and uh, i don't know how it ended one nil i've got to be honest with you um it was quite a decent watch on the eye um fairly end-to-end at times and that there was quite a few good build-ups certainly leading to some decent chances but it either seemed the finishing was was crap or the final ball, uh, just you know, it wasn't right. Um, Aik winning the game one nil. Um, how big a result is that for Aik? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think you know one of the things that we aim to probably do with this podcast, perhaps, uh, is you know set up a, a Twitter account, and I think we'll be able to share some pictures actually of the of the scenes in the stands from that derby because there was some really you know stunning tifos, which is a feature of Swedish football. You know, the, the best supported clubs are very passionate and creative in their in their um, support, some some great banners uh, supporting both teams for the you know it's a big Stockholm derby. In terms of the game itself, yeah, I mean, like you say, there was there were chances uh, for both sides. 
I think it was an intriguing one in the sense that your garden, a team that I've thought looked fairly impressive at times, and I thought they could perhaps maybe challenge um, in the signings. The summer signings were were quite impact. You know, had a big impact in terms of publicity. Um, you know, Jonas Olsen from West Brom was a, a huge signing for the league. I saw him play against uh, Hacken, and he uh, he was by far the best player on the pitch. Uh, the game ended nil nil, but he was comfortable walk walk through it. Uh, looked looked like a cut above, like a Premier League player. Um, then Gustav Engvall, they've got as well from Bristol City on loan, uh, who was at EFK Jotterburg. Uh Kim Kalstrom as well, who's like a star of the league, uh, ex Arsenal for a bit. If Arsenal fans may remember him, but yeah, you know they they look like a team who potentially could challenge, but they haven't really translated that into on-field performances consistently as yet. And ARK got the win, 1-0. I think ARK have had some problems in their forward line. Uh, Henrik Goetum's been injury, but had some injuries, and he's probably a key player up front. Uh, they've had to rely on the likes of um, Iro Makanen and um, the new lad who they've signed, I think Kurpich, his name is, uh, who hasn't really impressed so far. But um, they managed to get the win. I think they're, they're built on a very solid defensive platform, which which helps them. And I think that was the key in this game. They they managed to snuff out any dangers from Jurgard and keep the score down, um, which helps because they're not really a prolific team in, in terms of scoring goals. They're not going to score three and four. So, yeah, it was uh, exciting. I mean, what, what did you think of it, Steve, watching it yourself? Well, I thought ARK deserved the victory. Um, they should have had two or three more goals, certainly. Um, they were really impressive on the break. It's uh, just say the final ball and shooting accuracy was, was dire. They, they couldn't finish their dinner, mate. Um, that's how, how poor it was in that department. It looked to me like they were, you know, if they could have someone who could finish, then they'd be pretty lethal. Um, I was disappointed with uh, your gun, to be honest. Um, they huffed and they puffed, and it just felt like their only real chance of scoring a goal was like, pinball but pinball moment in the penalty area it was like they tried to score from pressure rather than sort of uh, some nice moves you know it was yeah. like it felt like they were almost if they had equalized i'm not saying it would have been lucky but it would have been a bit they're just waiting for a fortunate ball to fall their way in the penalty area and it wasn't falling their way and they, they, they seemed to have no real plan b to be honest yeah, i think it's important to note as well one of the key talking points of that game was um Kyriakos Stamatopoulos, who is the goalkeeper uh, for AIK, who pulled out a few good saves and was heavily saluted at the end of the game. Um, the backstory yeah. to this is obviously the fact that he was, um, you know, part of the scandal that broke out in Swedish football recently with the, um, you know, the match-fixing scandal in terms of you know being threatened by people to fix the game uh, that was called off against the FCOR. And I think he publicly came out and it was established that it was him who was part of the threat. So to come back and show the character that he did, especially as a you know, reserve goalkeeper covering for Oscar Lina, um, you know, he was he was hugely saluted at the end of the game by by, by players and fans. Yeah, I think this match fixing um thing is something we are gonna talk about in the next episode. Um, you know, obviously it was big news over there. Uh, just before we leave this particular um podcast, um there was a big win for the IFK Gothenburg on Monday night, four nil. Um, now I know you're um, they're a team that are quite close to your heart in a way, um, and they've had a struggling start to the year. But a four nil win um, that's surely going to kickstart their campaign. Yeah, it looks like it. I mean, I think the table to an extent perhaps lies uh, in where they were before the match because obviously they've they've got a few games in hand. Uh, they were towards the bottom of the table, 
but that win pushes them up to 10th in the league, which is, you know, obviously close to mid-table, but they still have another game in hand, which can push them as high as, you know, fifth, really. So, um, yeah, I think they're perhaps on the right track. There are definitely some areas they can improve. Uh, I think that's well well established. I think most people would agree with that, watching them play. Um, they have a f- yeah they have a few weaknesses but there's been some also some backroom problems you know um there's been some issues with the with the, the manager uh, who's had come under a bit of pressure from the fans for perhaps not playing the most entertaining brand of football but i think they're you know a 4-0 win helps them of course in that sense um and that that will help them push up the table i mean in terms of best teams to watch they're perhaps maybe not up there at the moment i think you could look at someone like Ostersons who I'm sure we'll talk about in future episodes, who are a very exciting side. Uh, North Shopping, Hacken as well, who are just across the road, across town in Gothenburg. So, yeah, I mean, there are a few entertaining sides to watch for sure. And Gothenburg, I think the challenge, IFK, the challenge for them is to become one of those sides, maybe. And uh, obviously a 4-0 win doesn't help, but Gifsons, Valor, not the best of sides, to be fair. And I think they were expected to win that one fairly comfortably. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously... 4 0 um, is still a very good result, though, and hopefully it might uh, progress them uh, forward because they're a big club uh, in, in the Swedish league, that's for sure. It'd be good to get them up there at the top of the table, challenging. Um, and uh, as I say, I think that's pretty much all we're going to talk about in this first um, episode. But we look forward to plenty more from us in the future. Uh, basically, if you, you know, anything to do with uh, Norwegian and Swedish football, this is the place to listen. Uh, isn't it, uh, John? They're going to have some great analysis on the teams, managers, tactics, matches and players. Uh, like I said, this is, I mean, you've scouted up there. Um, so you know what, what talent um, is ready to move on to, to the next level. And I know there's a lot of fans listening um, and these players could end up at the in the summer uh, transferring to, to, to their clubs. So uh, we look forward to talking about a lot of the talent, don't we? Definitely, yeah. I mean, uh, I would probably make clear that that wasn't the specific reason I was there. Um, you know, that was it, it played a part. But I've definitely had my eye on obviously players out there, and you know, there is an interest. I know that for a fact in in you know Swedish football and Norwegian football as well. Um, there are a lot of players who have come from those leagues to to England and other countries uh, with a, perhaps a higher reputation in terms of their level of football, uh, Bundesliga and elsewhere. Um, and yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of talent, and I think one of the interesting things is obviously you know it's a summer league. The the Premier League is over now. There's lots of European leagues that have just closed. So, you know, why not get yourself into a new league, a summer league? And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to more debates with yourself about these these two specific leagues. And you know, who knows, we may have a few people, uh, if they're interested, who want to you know, talk about other leagues as well. We can, you know, dip into them in, in terms of Finland and other areas. But, yeah, I think these will be the two main areas we know about. And I'd, I'd go as far as to say it'd be a good place to come to if you want to want to learn about these leagues. and send any questions in if you want to and we'll be, we'll be creating more awareness about them in the coming weeks yeah absolutely uh, it's called the Nordic uh, football podcast um, you know potentially there might be some um, some interest in, in, in some of these other Scandinavian countries at some point um, I'd say our main speciality is Norway and Sweden uh, so uh, that that's the the fundamental basics of this uh, podcast we're going to be talking about those leagues we know our stuff in those leagues, and until we find, until we find a, a place to live in Iceland, I think that's uh, that's that's it for now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Icelandic football is definitely on the rise, isn't it? After what they did 
in the um, European Championships last uh, summer. It's, I've got to say, the Icelandic, they've always wanted to get into that league, uh, John. Maybe I will at some is point it, soon. Is it decent from a betting perspective? Or? Bit of everything, really, you know. Um, it's only about 12 teams in that league. It might even be 10. And it only spans about three or four months. But um, wow. it, I think if it, if it was more readily accessible, then I would do. But it's, um, it's quite hard to find uh, the matches up there from someone like me who's based in the UK. Um, yeah. But um, from what I've heard, it is a league that is on the rise a little bit. So if anyone's listening from Iceland in that case, uh, obviously send in your questions and tweets or observations. Um, there's a lot of Icelandic players in, in Sweden, in fact. So, you know, um, it's always good to hear more about that as well. So, yeah, we'd be happy to hear, hear from you. Yeah, there's quite a lot of Icelandic players in Norway as well. And, you know, anyone good in that league ends up, usually the next stop is... You know, Norway, Sweden, or Denmark, isn't it for them? So, um, yeah, it's it's anyone listening from like, those parts, then absolutely get in touch. And you know, we might even get someone on that knows their stuff uh, up there at some point. Um, yeah, but from this particular first episode, I'm going to say goodbye. Very much look forward to talking with you uh, throughout the whole summer about uh, on these leagues, uh, John. And uh, I think we should have, we could have some very tasty uh, sort of podcasts. Looking forward to it, my friend. Okay, well, take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.